such a time as this. Thank you that you have placed us here in this time, in this place for a specific reason. Lord, I thank you for each person in this room, Lord. Just bless their hearts virtually this morning. We love you, Jesus. It's all in your name we pray. Rick, can you come share our announcements? How about a hand for our worship team? Woohoo! Good morning, New Heights. Thank you for uh, being here. If it's your first time here, we welcome you. Um, before we get started with the announcements um, on our social media, so if you're looking to uh, look up previous sermons, um, you can go to our website. Um, they've been working on that. They also have started podcasts. A couple weeks ago, Pastor John spoke, and you can look that up. So if you just remember the name of the church, New Heights Church, it's just the initials, N-H-C. I almost said NYC. It's not NY. 
New Heights Church, NHC, TN for Tennessee, and you can listen to podcasts while you're driving now on iTunes, Apple, and um, so starting two weeks ago. So uh, I think Pastor John's is the first one. Obviously, all of Pastor Brad's messages have been on the website library, um, so you can catch those there. And then going forward, all of his, he's going to be starting a new sermon series when he gets back. They are getting much-deserved rest um, over the last few weeks, so we're grateful that uh, they've had safe travels and uh, have been able to uh, get some rest, and uh, we're looking forward to having them back <coughs> on the announcements coming up. So, yeah, that's the uh, Apple iTunes thing, and um, remember the initials, NYC? That's terrible. Do you guys remember the initials? Okay, NHCTN. And you can listen while you drive without even having to be distracted. Um, the Texas uh, Tent Revival, you guys have probably heard about, has been amazing. There's been many salvations, and some of our folks are back this morning that have been part of that and setting that up and uh, just being there in uh, fellowship and community with these folks. And uh, it's been amazing to, to keep track of and watch what God's doing. Um, so we are grateful for all those that uh, serve. We're grateful for all those who participated in giving and sponsoring uh, that event. And uh, we're looking forward to a great, uh, a great uh, praise report when Pastor Brad comes back. And um, so that continues. I think there's been over 60 or 70, over 100 salvations. Um, that's pretty amazing. And 55, the last count was 55 baptisms. More now? So it's, uh, it's continuing to go, so that's an awesome thing. And I believe that's available online too, right, Summer? They can see that at the who? Okay, I'm not. There's like too many like going on at the same time. New Heights Tent Ministry pitch. Okay, you know what? If you really want to look that up, see see Miss Summer on the way out. She's the expert. All right. Um, I think they're just trying to get after me this morning. Um, we are hosting Identity First here, so that'll be Ginger and Denise on August fourth and August the fifth. So you will w not want to miss that series. Uh, we're looking forward to having them back here. Um, it's a conference that has been life changing for many people. Um, and we have heard great testimonies. They're a great partner uh, with New Heights, and uh, we are thrilled to be partnering with them. Uh, we have a grace offering that we're doing. Uh, we do it a couple times a year. It will go on for the month of July. The grace offering uh, is something that uh, leadership prays about, and uh, it could possibly go to a family or somebody in need in our community. Uh, typically, it's uh, within the community or within our church, and uh, it's just a blessing for those um, that may be uh, in need at this particular time. Um, the last announcement that we have on July the 30th, there won't be a Sunday service in here. We'll be doing um, a pavilion service. Actually, it's just going to be a play day. There's not going to be a service. We're going to have music. Um, it's going to be a summer bash, and there'll be food, fellowship, games, so you'll want to invite your friends and family just to hang out. Um, I don't believe there is any message, right? It's just going to be music, um, celebration, and a fun day. So you guys are welcome to, to uh, show up in your casual clothes. Well, looks like you all have already. Um, 
So just show up like you dress right now, and uh, it'll be a summer bash in the pavilion, and um, it's going to be a great time. We love you guys. Thank you so much for being here. We're going to call the ushers up um, and take the offering right now, and then uh, I get the privilege to uh, invite my wife up to share a message this morning. Um, so, Father, we thank you. We thank you for another amazing Sunday that we get to gather and make much of you. We thank you for the family and the friends that you have given us. We thank you, Lord, for the prayers going back several years ago when we were praying for new children, new families, new ministries downstairs, our children's ministries, Lord, and you have been faithful and you continue to draw new and young families. You continue to draw other people to this church that have never been here, people that have, would not have gone to a church. And Lord, we're grateful for those that you bring here. We know it's for an appointed time. There's no coincidence, no accident. Lord, that you are touching people's lives. And Lord, uh, we are excited to see how you use this church and this church body to love others in our community and serve our community, Lord. So um, we take this time, Lord, to ask you to bless the offering. We ask you to bless the giver and bless the gift, Lord, that it would be multiplied and used for your glory and your kingdom and the things that you would have us to do, Lord. Uh, we thank you for that, and uh, Father, we just give you all the praise and the glory. We say have your way in the service this, this morning. We love you and honor you, and we pray all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Okay, honey, it's your up. How about uh, Miss Colleen is coming up to share. vertically challenged, sorry. <laughs> Good morning. I know this is odd, right? Who is this woman and why? <laughs> I promise to love you still, even if I mess up this message, I hope you can promise to love me too. I'm here to this morning to talk to you as a grandmother, as a mother, and as a nurse. And in a few minutes, it'll be become abundantly clear why I'm choosing to talk to you that way today. I'm going to talk about the name of the message. We have no slides. It's called Born Again, A Narrow Path. So we're going back, okay? We're going back. So this morning, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the meaning of being born again and why I've just skimmed over this my whole life. Like, this is a new revelation to me. In the last three weeks, God has woken me up. I've had dreams. I've had nonstop Bible passages that just proved his word to me over and over again. And I'm like, how did I miss this? How did I, when this is what I do, how did I miss this? So I hope that I can bring some light to you through this. So first, let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we begin today, Father God, would you anoint this message, Lord, and would your Holy Spirit bring the truth of your word into our lives in Jesus' name. So the question is, can you be saved and yet not born again? That's a heck of a statement to start with, isn't it? Can you be saved and yet not born again? This is the question that God gave me two weeks ago. I know. Just settle with me, because it was a little unsettling for me, too. How many of you know the term accepting Jesus in your heart or asking Jesus in your heart? We've heard this our whole lives, right? It's Christianese at this point. 
It's Christianese. It's something like the Christian language that we understand or we think we do that the rest of the world says, what does that even mean? That statement, accepting Jesus in your heart, is not even in the Bible. Do you realize that? It's not biblical. Although we base our whole faith on that sometimes, right? We base our whole faith on the fact that we have to accept Jesus in our heart. I want to show you something today, the same message. I promise you I am not twisting this in any way. It is the same message that Jesus preached when he came. It is the same message that he's still preaching. It's the same message that his Holy Spirit is guaranteeing us. I just want you to see it in a different light from a woman who knows a little bit about birth. I had a dream. I'm going to start with this. The first two weeks ago, I had a dream, and I don't get these kind of dreams. So I was like, there has to be a reason for this. So in it, a group of people, I would say we were all church people, were in some big auditorium waiting, and it was a former pastor of mine, a man I have great respect for, who taught me so much in my walk, that was there, and he said to me, do what you did when you started. Do what you did when you started. And I heard this, and I was like, what? So I'm sitting there in my confusion, in my dream, saying, what, what are you saying? What, what is this? And then he said, back to celebrate recovery. People were talking about celebrate recovery because there just wasn't any. Now, my background is I was an alcoholic for 14 years, so I have a little bit of knowledge of celebrate recovery. I have a lot of knowledge. I needed a lot of it, okay, honestly. So... Celebrate recovery was a thing for me, and I understand the terms in celebrate recovery. We started to go out and pray for some people out of this building in the dream, and as we walked around the corner, we're all just kind of walking and lollygagging, and we get to the end of a parking lot, and I hear in the distance some wolves. I can hear these wolves, and they are loud, and they started to turn on us. And I started yelling, wait, those are wolves. And everybody turned around and they started running and we ran for our lives. And we went back to this door and in the end, I stood inside of this door and I put my foot in the door and I'm yelling, hurry, hurry, get in here. And then I woke up. I don't get those kind of dreams, okay? I'm just, that's not something I usually do. It's not a pizza dream. It's not, I don't get those kind of dreams. And I was like, God, why? What is this about? And that go back to where we started came very loud and clear. What does it mean to be born again? What does it mean to be born again? We sit in churches all across this country, and yet we do not even understand the term that we're speaking so freely. What does it mean to be born again? What did it mean to be born the first time? Did it mean to be born the first time? We're going to go there because I want you to understand something. This isn't the... Oh, yes, if you just say a prayer, you get to sit in a church pew for 20 years, and then someday the Lord will return and bring you home. We're doing an injustice to each other if we say that's the truth, okay? That's not the truth. That is not the truth. This is probably one of the hardest walks any of us have ever walked, honestly, because you have to at some point repent and turn around and face your own junk. And in facing your own junk, receive the sanctification. So what does it mean? Let's go back to the basics of our faith. What does it mean? Why did God choose to use the term born again? He could have used any term. You must enter the spirit. You must come to me. All of those terms, yeah, they're in there. But why did he say to Nicodemus, Nikki, Nikki, dude, you got to, and Nikki's like, what? 
How can I go back to my mother's womb? What are you talking about? Totally in the flesh. He's seeing everything totally in the flesh. He's like, that doesn't even make sense. Explain to me what you're talking about. I've never heard this teaching. This is hard teaching, right? So Nicodemus questions God. He questions Jesus. What does it mean to be born again? What is this? I'm going to go through some just some bullet verses. I got to look it up on my pad. Sorry for the techno, but I had it on the slide. See, we did all the slides. We came over here and we did it, and of course it's not on, but it's okay, plan B, it's right here. So I'm going to go back. I tell you, I probably read a thousand verses in these last two weeks that verified everything I'm about to tell you. If you just read from Romans to Jude, you are going to find out all about sanctification. What does that look like? That looks like you submitting to the process of being born again. That's what that looks like. So if you're born again, the end game in being born again is what? What's the goal? What's the end game? God, I accept you in my heart. Yes, let's make nicey-nice, add a little Jesus to my life. I like that. That's encouraging. But what does it mean to actually be born again into the spirit realm, to walk into the spirit realm, the kingdom of God, where he dwells, seated in heavenly places? This is a different story, okay? It is a violent story. I want you to think about this. So we're going to start with John 3, 3. That's the, uh, no, wait a minute, John 3. I'm going to start in one because I think it was, don't mess up on me. I hate this iPad. Okay. So Nicodemus was one of the Pharisees, a man with some clout among his people. He came to Jesus under the cloak of darkness because, of course, he couldn't admit that he might not have known everything about the word, right? I tell you the truth, only someone who experiences birth, he, and wait a minute. Teacher, some of us have been talking, and you obviously are a teacher who has come from God. The signs you are doing are proof that God is with you. I tell you, Jesus says, the truth. Only someone who experiences birth for a second time can hope to see the kingdom of God. Strange statement. I am a grown man, Nicodemus says. How can someone be born again when he's old like me? Am I to crawl back into my mother's womb for a second time? That's impossible. I tell you the truth. If someone does not experience water and spirit birth, there is no chance he will make it into God's kingdom. No chance. No chance. Do you hear these words? These are very strong words. We kind of gloss over this, and I don't know why, because the Christian walk is not nicey-nice. It is actually, I am making a change, I am repenting, I am turning around, and I am violently going after you, Jesus. What is the result, the end result of what we're looking for? To be born again means to enter the kingdom of God. It means I need to find my true life. Each one of us in this room, each one of us listening has a true love. And it's not your, your spouse or, you know, the person you live with or your parents. That's not your true love. That's, not, that's just a semblance of what love could look like. And it's mostly broken and it's mostly conditional. And true love is when you meet Jesus inside of who you are and you realize that the creator of the universe wants to talk to you that the god who created you wants a relationship with you and he wants to meet you but where is he in your walk he is where you left him he's back there where you left that piece of your heart Go back with me to the garden. What happened in the garden when Adam and Eve tried to clothe themselves because they knew that they had messed up, right? 
I ate this fruit of good and evil. Now I got this good and evil in me, and it's, it's nasty, and now I feel convicted, and I feel shame. And what did God do when he found them? Who told you you were naked? Who told you I wouldn't cover you with my love? Who told you that you were vulnerable now? And why did you listen? Like, you know me. It's okay. I'm going to sit right here where you learned this knowledge. I'm going to guard this piece of your heart that now you want to run away from because you have so much shame in that area. Guilt, condemnation, so much brokenness. How could I have done that, God? You know, why was I such a mess? Why do I do the things I do? So you leave a piece of your heart, you take off, and you think, I'll just go over here and numb pain. I'll just do what it takes. And God commands his angels around that piece of your heart, the angels that prevented anybody from coming back into the garden with their fiery swords. Your heart is left back there, being guarded by God until you get the courage and it takes quite a bit to turn around and go back after it. And he said, I knew she'd be coming. I knew she would come back after. Come on, girl. Do it. Come on, my son. Do it. Get back here and get this piece of your heart so we can go together this way. This way. The way forward is by going back. The way forward. Let me explain to you the whole born again thing. Jesus, I'll finish this with saying, even you, he says, like from like, whatever is born from flesh is flesh. Whatever is born from spirit is spirit. Don't be shocked by my words, but I tell you the truth. Even you, an educated and respected man among your people, must be reborn by the spirit to enter the kingdom of God. The wind blows all around us as if it has its own will. We feel and hear it, but we do not understand where it came from or where it will end up. Life in the spirit is as if it were the wind of God. Because it doesn't make sense to your flesh and it never will. Stop trying to fit God in a box that you can design. If you could hold God in that box, he wouldn't really be God. You would, wouldn't he? You'd be the one in control. You'd be controlling him. You can only come this far, God, and I'll take a little of you if you just do it this way and not this way. But don't mess with my stuff. Don't ask me to give up too much. What kind of a God do you serve? Or is he a holy God? Is he the creator of all the universe? Is he truly God? Is he truly Lord of Lord? Is he true love? Is he true love or is he something you can just control? Because we're all on a very different level in how we see and perceive God. And how you see and perceive him is whether or not you will enter into the kingdom of God and truly be born again. Let's explain to you from a mother and a grandmother point of view. And a woman who has worked in labor and delivery, mother, baby, and nurses for 25 years, working with and walking women through the delivery process, you know that it's not an easy thing. Labor and delivery is not an easy thing. That's why they call it labor, right? What does God call himself in Psalms 18? He says, I am your deliverer. I am your deliverer. Why does he use that word? Because he knows what it's like to be in the uh, delivery room, in the delivery room of heaven, waiting for his children to pass through the very narrow passage that some people will never make it through. So being born again in the spirit is very familiar to the process of having a baby. The process involves a baby coming through a very narrow birth canal, being squeezed and forced through. As I nurse, I know that unless this squeezing happens, the lungs would not expand as they need to to be able to breathe. The stomach would not come alive as it should 
With peristalsis, it would not work because it needs that squeezing. It is a necessary process. If it's done correctly, it produces a healthy baby. It brings forth life, okay? That's what the actual labor and delivery of a female giving birth to a baby looks like. When you're in that delivery room, at any time, you could be standing between life and death for one or the other, and you know that. You know that going in, this is a tough process. This is not that easy, oh, wow, yeah, you want a baby, and then you have one. So when you ask Jesus to come into your heart, what happens is the seed is planted like a woman in pregnancy. You join with God's seed, and you said, you know what, God, I really do. I want you. And then the pregnancy goes, if you will. You don't just have a baby the moment you have a seed. You have the almost finished version of it in a very immature process, right? It's a tiny little thing. It has to grow. It has to expand, right? How does it grow and expand? The word says it grows through the watering of the word of God. The watering of the word of God, the water in the spirit. You cannot bring to fruition or bring to birth something that you have not nourished. God gave you a seed of who he is. Now, where do you find him? In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. Where are you going to find God in this earth, in the flesh? You're going to find him in his word. That's where he can be found. But we are so apathetic to the word we are not actually violent in the word which is where I wish we could be violent I wish if there was one thing that people would get a grip on it's that you have to go after this you have to get into this word this doesn't make sense God how does he beget so and so beget so and so help me in my walk he says just keep reading child I don't get this what's wrong with this dude back here you know why don't they listen the Israelites warned why just keep listening, just keep reading, just keep reading. Line upon line, page upon page, precept upon precept. I'm going to raise you up. I'm going to show you what I think and how I think. My ways are not your ways. I don't see in the flesh. I see in the spirit. I know what you need in your walk, and I know how to bring it to fruition in your life. I am the God that heals you. I am the God that delivers you. But how can you be expected to walk through in this life and find trust? Or peace, when all you know inside is turmoil, anguish. All I have at night is dreams. I'm just always a mess. Everybody else walks around, oh, that's great. They're all church folk. They're so happy. We're the most messed up people on the planet because we have enough of Jesus to feel convicted, but we don't have enough of him to walk through and get to rest. We have not reached rest. Rest is the end result. Finding Jesus and true love and taking your whole life and laying it upon him and saying, I don't want to carry this anymore because this is heavy. This is heavy. Life is heavy. Why do bad things happen to good people? This stuff is heavy. And I'm sick of feeling anxiety. And I'm sick of feeling fear. I want you to take my life. And he says, I will. But first, got to push past your unbelief. What? I don't have unbelief. Oh, child, but you do. Because you don't trust me anymore. You lost your trust for me when you were four years old and that person beat you. Or that person messed with you and you thought God isn't for me. You lost your belief. We have to push past that. And then we got this thing over here. This unforgiveness that you have. This hatred you have towards that person. If we can't get past that, you can't hate my other children and then think that I can push past your hatred to get you to a place of love. Hatred has to be removed so love can come in. This is not an easy birthing process, right? 
It's not an easy thing. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Sanctification is the only way to be born again. So you can be pregnant. You can have the seed of God inside of you. And with everything in you, you swear you love Jesus. I swear I love Jesus. I do. But, oh, this bothers me so much, or that bothers me so much, or that person is so hideous, or this, you know, I can't believe the politics in the land. I'm so angry about this. I'm so angry about that. I haven't pushed past anything. I'm not even in the birth canal, and God's like, I want to deliver you. And it's like, I don't want to get in there because that place is too tight. That place is too small, and I'm afraid if I start the process, I'm not going to live through it. I have never walked in a labor and delivery suite or with a woman who was pregnant and delivering who said, oh, this is easy. Come on in, guys. Watch me do this. It's so fun. At the end of it, she is screaming, usually. I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. And that's when God steps in and he gives her that last, oh, yeah, you got this, baby. You got this. It's not that easy process. I don't mean to be so heavy this morning, but I can't get away from God telling me that we have to go back before we can go forward. And the wolves are coming. The wolves are coming. And unless you push past fear, you will fall. You will not make it back into that door. And only so long will the door be held open. Fear cannot go into heaven. Your fear cannot go into (laughs) into heaven. Yeah. (laughs) Fear will not enter. It's too big, it's too wide, and it controls you. Anxiety cannot go into heaven. There's no anxious people in heaven. Doubt, anger, hatred, unforgiveness, bitterness, they cannot go into heaven. They can't be birthed with you through that narrow place. Does that make sense? Now, if you're in a labor and delivery room, all of this makes sense. But why did God choose to use that term? Why did he use that term? You must be born again. I just never, ever dawned on me before that it, this could even, I'm like, wait a minute, you never expected this to be a say a little prayer, sit in a pew and wait for the rapture to come. That was never what you intended. You intended for your people to have a courage, an uncommon courage, maybe convictions of steel like Second Thessalonians says, to push past every boundary that says you can't go there. No, you can't go there. You Remember what you did? You had shame, guilt, and condemnation. Now, where is that voice coming from? Is that God? Yeah, you got it. It's the enemy of your soul that tells you you can't, you can't. You can't go past. You have to have fear. You should have fear. Fear is your friend. My friend? You've been cussing at me my whole life. Fear, I'm not having you anymore. And that's when you take that step and you say, Jesus, where is this fear anchored in me? You remember when you were six? Remember when you were six and somebody turned the lights off and they ran upstairs and left you downstairs by yourself and you felt so, that's where fear came in. You want to go back there? Because I'll take you and I'll let you cut the head off of that sucker. You want to do it? Because I am a good father and I will show you how. I'll turn all them lights on. I'm going to show you how to go in there and get that thing if you'll let me. Because I lead you. I guide you. I am a faithful savior. I am one who saves. I'm not the savior who sits back and says, you got this kid. Every step of the way, he says, I got you. You're okay. I got you. I know this is hard. I know this isn't fun. I know that this hurts. But it'll hurt a lot less when we're on the other side of it. Trust me. 
Trust me. Come on over here because I want to give you another weapon. I got something for you. Look at this verse, you know. Jeremiah 3, 3 says that, oh, I almost turned there. That is awesome. Thank you, Jesus. No slides, but we can still do it, right? Got to forgive me because I got to use eyes for this one. <laughs> Jeremiah 3, and it says, actually starts in 2. It says, look up to the hilltops and take a good look. Is there anywhere you have not committed perverse acts in the company of other gods? You sat on the side of the road offering yourself to others. Even the land itself is tainted by your wickedness. This is why I held back the rain, why the spring rains have not come, but you still look and act like a prostitute. But wait, did you now just call out to me saying, my father, you have been my friend, my confidence since I was young? Surely he won't be angry forever, will he? Surely he won't hold this against us to the end, right? This is how you talk, as if all I want are your words. Meanwhile, you continue in your selfish and evil ways. Then the eternal God who rules over all of history reminded me of a lesson my people Judah should have learned from Israel a century ago. He spoke to us early in our career. Have you not learned anything from Israel's unfaithful ways, how she turned away from me, went up on a very high hill and under every green tree to worship another? Have you not learned anything? Return to me, faithless Israel. I'm skipping over to 12. I will look on you with mercy and not anger. I will hold this, not hold this grudge against you. Just admit what you did and your sin against me and how you rebelled against your God and how you gave yourself away to these foreign gods in the open under the trees and how you disobeyed my voice. Come back home, my restless, faithful ones, for I am your master, I am your husband. I am your master and I am your husband. This is God talking. This is in Jeremiah, right? If God is your faithful husband, and I know it's harder for men to see this, but he is. He is your faithful. He's coming after a clean and spotless bride. The church is his bride. If he is your faithful husband and he wants to clean you up before he takes you to the altar and give you that clean, spotless dress, if you will, to present yourself to him, to be birthed into the spirit realm and enter into rest with him, to enter into rest, the ultimate goal, to get to rest, then we have to allow the process, right? So we can't be so, I, I guess you could say, sissified, I, I, lack of better words. We can't be so sissified that we just don't want to, I've got it so hard, I can't do it. I've heard that from every woman I've ever witnessed giving birth. But their babies are here, aren't they? Because in that last breath, when you need it the most, God shows up and he says, push, child, I got you. Push, push, you can do this. Not only can you do this, but I put a fire inside of you. I've given you convictions of steel. My Holy Spirit lives and dwells in you. It may be seed form now, but, oh, baby, he's growing. He's growing. That word comes into you, and it just lights the fire, and all of a sudden, you can't shut up about God. Why does she always talk about God, God, God? It's all I got, baby, and it's so worth it. It's so worth it. It's the only pool I want to pull from anymore because what the world says is garbage. It's all garbage. Oh, this is going to happen. The sky is falling. You and Chicken Little running around. Sky's falling. The world's falling. It's not falling any more than it was centuries ago. You know, when David walked the earth, everybody, oh, God, it's so bad. Yeah, it's bad always, right? Lamentation. Nothing new under the sun. Everything. Come on. It's all in here. It's all in here. He prepared us for every bit of it. But in preparing us, he said, I want soldiers and I want warriors. There's not, there's not everybody who says, Jesus, come into my heart. 
There's not this path that everybody is just walking. You came into this life alone, and you're leaving alone. Hate to tell you that. You're not going with a whole congregation of people singing hallelujah. You left, you came into this world alone in birth, and you are leaving alone in the birth in the heavens. Now, what happens when the baby is born, right? They come out on the table. The baby pushes through the flesh. The baby gets through the sack of flesh. The water bursts. The, the dam is opened, if you will. The baby comes through, but he's still attached by an umbilical cord. But what happens? Takes that first breath right away. Takes that first breath. While we're on this earth and while we're in the flesh, we will be attached by the umbilical cord. Yes, we will still be attached to flesh. We will. But we'll be breathing spiritual air. We'll be breathing the Ruah breath of heaven. We will be breathing and thinking and processing from a different side of the whole birth process. What does it look like to go back and be born again? Nobody wants that, right? I don't want to take that tough road. And what if I have to go back through all the trauma of my past? And this? God didn't take me 14 years an alcoholic. I spent six years walking through all of my junk with him. Every day walking, praying. And what about this? Oh, God, I'm doing so good, aren't I? Yes, this is awesome. Yeah, but there's just this one thing, baby. I need, oh, not that. Don't want to go there. Hate that memory. That, uh, that door is closed, that closet. Yeah, but I need it. In order for you to move forward, you have to trust me. You have to trust me on a level you never have because you don't trust me because you've never been allowed to trust another human being. Human beings have mutilated you, your family. My whole family was killed. Basically, my whole family was killed by disease. Thank you. My mother, my father, my 29-year-old sister, my 47-year-old brother, my infant niece, my 2005, my 17-year-old son. Murder, death, everywhere around me, if you will. Disease, destruction, addiction, whatever it was. Wiped out. Wiped out. And it was meant to wipe me out, right? It was meant to wipe me out. And God said it will if you let it. Because grief will take you under. And you will never find God if you stay in grief. And if you don't allow your emotions to come back to life after you have lost somebody, because I don't want to feel the bad emotions, you push through the bad emotions to get to the good emotions, okay? You have to push through fear, pain, grief, hatred, anger, resentment to get to joy, peace, love, and to understand that, man, I can truly trust this guy in this situation. Not only can I trust him, he wants me to, and he loves me. He is true love. Jesus is nothing but true love. You have never actually been to him unless you absolutely feel that love and can enter into his rest and say, God, I trust you. I'm giving my whole life, and I'm putting it back on your shoulders, and I want you to carry me. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to fight my way through life. I don't want to try to impress people because they're so fickle and they're never impressed anyway because they're so stuck in their own heads. They can't give me a good morning and a how do you do. Everybody's fighting. Everybody's looking for someone else to validate who they are. We don't need validation from another living human being. They're all struggling like you are. They don't have it to give, baby. I'm sorry. Nobody has what you need but Jesus. He is the only one, but we're looking to everybody and everything. You think that bottle is going to help you? You think those images on a computer screen are going to love you? That is not what it is, dude. You're getting caught into trap after trap after trap looking for comfort and joy, and you will never find it until you turn around and go back through the narrow way. 
You must be born again to see the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is peace and joy and love. So the picture of how you know you've entered is when you get through Galatians and Colossians and he says, you know, put away from you all wrath and evil speaking. Put away from you all this garbage, the filth of the world. Put it away from you. Well, you can't just do that on your own because you live in it. It's like living in a, in a, a muddy swamp and you're like, put that away from you. Dude, how do I get out of it? I live here. I can't get out. And he says, let me pick you up. I'm going to put you over here on the sidelines. Okay? And then I'm going to dry you off. And if you're ready, you can follow me and walk this way. That's scary, though. I've lived in the swamp my whole life. What does that mean? I don't know what that is. I know what the swamp is. I don't know what that is. Well, it's good. Trust me. You can trust me. You can trust Jesus. But most of us have never even heard from him. We sat in churches 25, 30 years, and we don't even know that we know his voice better than we know our own. We know God's voice better than we know our own, and we don't even realize it because he's been talking to you your whole life in your head. But you know the voice so well, you think it's you. You think it's you. I did that for years. I was like, God, how can I ever hear your voice? How can I ever hear your voice and trust you? If, I, if you're not speaking to me, other people you talk to, you don't talk to me. Don't I, though? Don't I? Try something with me. Everybody close your eyes. Close your eyes. Lord Jesus, right now, Father God, I thank you for these people. And I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, right now, I'm asking you to reveal yourself to them. Let them hear your voice. Sometimes it might be the first time. I'm asking you to let them hear your voice. So everybody say with me, Holy Spirit, do you love me? Now follow that yes. Follow that yes. You heard it. You saw it. You felt it. You heard it. However you experience God, you heard that yes. It's there. Follow it. It's been in you all your, all your life. You've heard that voice. He's been calling you all your life, and you've been running away from him because it's scary. If I go after him, I might have to face the garbage of my past. I might have to face the person I've become the person that I can't stand. I hated myself, and the last thing that I had to do in the biggest thing in, in healing, I think, was to forgive myself, and it was the hardest part. I expected perfection from myself. I wouldn't expect it from somebody else. You know, people are fallen, right? I can expect you to be fallen, but I couldn't expect that of me. How prideful, right? I couldn't let myself be less than perfect and be okay with it. And God said, I never created you to be perfect. If I'd have made you perfect, you would never have come in a human form. Sorry. You're not perfect, and you never will be. Let it go. Push the perfection out the window. You don't have to measure up because there is no measuring rod with God. He created you. He designed you perfect. You have covered every base in his this is my perfect son book. You don't have to prove yourself to him. You don't have to prove yourself to another living human being. You have nothing to prove. But do you believe that? It's not truth until you believe it, right? It's not truth until you let God into that place in your heart that demands of you, that orphan spirit inside of you that has been alone and lonely. And if you think about it now, most of you even sitting in this room will admit that you're lonely in here where it matters. I am so lonely. I can remember sitting in a vineyard church, and I had been 15 years saved. And I was like, God, I am so lonely. 
I can't even explain how lonely I feel. I feel like there's nothing in here. And he said, but I'm here. And I, he let me hear him so loud that time. And I was like, can you do that again? He said, right here, right here, child, right here. God, one more time, right here. Keep walking. This is the way. Come after me with everything in you because you are going to get to me. And when you do, I'm going to give you back this piece of your heart. I'm on this road where you left you. I'm right here where you were five years old and you took off from your heart because it hurt too much. And you couldn't process what happened. But I'm standing here and I'm guarding that piece of your heart. And when you get to me, then we're going to put it back in your chest and you and I are running this way. You and I are going that way and we're going into that birth canal. And we're coming out on the other side into rest. Is that too graphic for a Sunday morning? Because we can keep going the way we're going, and we can go with no effect in life, and we can go and still wonder, am I even saved? How many of you in this room have sat up at night and said, am I even saved? I don't even know if I even know you, God. I don't know anything about you. I don't know you, Jesus. If you're true love, I certainly don't have an evidence of that in my heart. I want it. I desperately want to know Jesus as my true love, as my first love. I want that guy in my corner. I want pure love in my corner saying to me every day, child, this is the way. Walk in it. Walk in it. Walk in it. Come on, baby. You got this. I want that cheerleading mom. I want that person that's all for me in my life and in my corner. And the only one that is is Jesus. We expect it from people and we demand it from people, especially when we have an orphan heart. You're my spouse. You're supposed to. You're supposed to. Dude, your, your spouse can't do that for you. They can be with you and be your helpmate and light, but they can't love you on the inside of your heart where it matters. Only Jesus can get there. He won't let anybody else get there. That's his place with you. But if you refuse to go in, then how is anybody ever going to get in there? That place remains unoccupied. Or worse, you sit on it as your God. I'm going to control my environment. I'm going to control who comes near me. I'm not going to feel emotions because those are horrible. I'm not going to do this because that's not okay. You got to stop and say, you know what, God, if I have to feel something as this comes up, I'm going to feel. Let me feel. And let me push past the bad stuff to get to the good stuff. Plant that seed so deep in me, that compost so deep in me, and that seed in there. Let me water it with your word so that I can hear and I can understand what that truly means to me. And light me up. Light me on fire for you. I want to know you, God. I'm sick of not knowing you, Jesus. I have to know you in that place in my heart where you want to live, and I give you my throne. I'm off of it. I'm off. I'm done. Today I lay myself down on the altar and I say, no more is the flesh going to lead me. No more. God, I want you to lead me. I need you to lead me. If you don't lead me, I'm not moving. I'm sitting right here until you come for me. I'm not going anywhere because I'm sick and tired of being the God on my own throne. I'm sick and tired of trying to control life and trying to not feel and try to protect myself from emotions. Emotions aren't going to overtake you. Newsflash. They're not going to overtake you. But most of us walk around like kindergarten children and we blow up at the drop of a hat because we feel like we're threatened again and this and this because we have no emotional maturity. Emotional maturity comes from realizing I am a child of God. I am a child. I am blessed and highly favored. I don't have to grovel. In Ezekiel 20, God says three times I make my decisions based on who I am, not how I feel. 
I make my decisions based on who I am, not how I feel. So yes, you may feel threatened. You may feel angry. You may feel discouraged, but that's not who you are. You shut those emotions up by saying, I am a daughter of the king, and I'm going this way. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I'm walking into joy. I'm walking into peace because that's my inheritance, and nothing is stealing it from me today. You got me? So I read the Ephesians 6, full armor of God. I read Psalms 91. She who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. That's what I read. That's what I do. Because I know who I am now. I didn't know that for years. I had to fight my way through a lot of battles. And I didn't have anybody in the flesh teaching me because the Holy Spirit always kept telling me, I would that my Holy Spirit teach you all things. I'm like, but this is so hard. He said, I know, I know. Got it? He says, come over here. I want to teach you. I want to teach you how many weapons you're going to need to get through today. What? I want you to start shooting this garbage that's coming at you. What? Yeah, you go ahead. I've been, I've been cutting off the heads for a while. You go ahead. Come here, child. Put a weapon in a two-year-old's hand and see what they do. I can shoot this? Heck yeah. Did you not read it? Did you read? You can shoot that. That's your word. Use it. Oh, like Isaiah 14? Oh, I love that one. That's my favorite. I have a lot of favorites in the word, but God used Isaiah 14 in such a powerful way to me. Oh, you Lucifer maggots will crawl over you. The dead can't wait to meet you at your coming. It's a little bit violent, and they get a kick out of it because you know what? He knows his fate. It's coming. It's coming. Yeah, the wolves are coming, but you know what else is coming? The kingdom of God is coming. It's here and it's now. But if we don't turn around and get the oomph and the convictions of steel to turn around and get into our place in that kingdom, stop relying on other people to raise us up. Say, Jesus, I'm sitting here with you. I'm going to sit under your word, even if it's boring, even if it doesn't make sense. I'm going to educate myself with you, and I'm going to ask your Holy Spirit to educate me. And take me from this place to that place. And I'm not going to be held back anymore. And I'm not going to feel less than. And I'm not going to walk through life apathetic and without any passion anymore. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this because what? I can. Because he told me I am his. Because he told me I'm his child. Do you not believe you're a child of God? Because if you don't believe it, you never will be. You're a child of the Most High God. The only way you get that assurance is to get into this word and say, well, tell me. Where does it say it? Oh, let me tell you, God will prove himself over and over if you get into his word. He will always prove himself because he is true and he's pure and he loves you. He's like, child, I have you. I have you. Now I'm going to close with Hebrews 4, and I'm going to read a little bit longer than I usually do in it because I need you to hear what he says understanding the birth from a different place, understanding the end result of a birth in the kingdom of God is that you walk into rest. You walk into rest. This is where we're headed. We need to get to the place where we trust so deeply that we don't walk around anxious anymore. We walk around at peace, not only with God, but with each other. And we're able to share that peace with others because from a place of gratitude, not a place of works. Don't, don't go with the place of works. We're going from a place of gratitude. And when we understand that, the gratitude is the best thing in life, and it's the only thing. It's the only thing that God receives from us as an offering, if you will, gratitude. Of course, I can't, here we are, Hebrews 4. That's why as long as that promise of entering God's rest remains open to us, we should be careful that none of us seem to fall short ourselves. Those people in the wilderness heard God's good news just as we have heard it, but the message they heard didn't do them any good. Since it wasn't combined with faith, we who believe are entering into salvation's rest. 
As he said, that is why I swore in anger that they would never enter salvation's rest. Even though God's works were finished from the very creation of the world, he was finished with all his works. Jesus completed all of his assignment. He did everything needed to be done for you to be saved, for you to be cleared of your sins. But if you don't accept it and understand that's where you're headed, you're just floundering. You're like a fish out of water, just floundering on the dry land, wondering why it's dry. Dude, you're out of water. You're out of the spirit. You're not in where you're flowing with him. So for God didn't say that on the seventh day of creation, he rested from all his works, did he? And doesn't God say in the Psalms that they would never enter into salvation's rest? So if God prepared a place of rest and those who were given the good news didn't enter because they chose disobedience, you're choosing disobedience when you're choosing to live in fear and anxiety and unfaithfulness and, and doubt when you're choosing to live in unbelief, you know, well, that might be for other people, but it's not for me. God is no respecter of man. He created you. If you're a human being, God created you, period. He created you. And he's not a respecter of man. It is for you. It's only not for you if you deny him access. That's when it's not for you. It's for you. It's absolutely 100% for you. So don't use that excuse to stop from going to him. I know it's tough. But don't use that as a crutch to stop yourself. Many people do. You wouldn't believe all the people that backslide from churches because, well, God can't be with me because, you know, I got in that little car accident. Child, stand up. Get some emotional maturity. Go to the insurance and move on. Now go take back something. Go back and help somebody else out. Do something productive in life in the spirit and forget that noise. Get some emotional maturity. Sorry, I have to talk like a mom because I would never let my son, Tanner, played football his whole life. And that kid played with more heart than anybody I've ever seen. There was never a time when it was like, okay, Tanner, oh, I'm so sorry. Now, I would have babied him, and Dad's like, yeah, no. Get out there and hit him again. Get out there and hit him again, dude. And it was like, he still doesn't stop hitting. Because why? Because you play with your heart. And when you have your whole heart and it's healed, you can get hit. Big deal. Chop me at the knees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get up. Get up. Child, get up. Get up. We got to stop laying around in our pews saying, but life is so hard. You know what's not hard? Eternity. Once you get into the kingdom of God, that's not hard. So get there, and then when we rest, then we'll worry about how hard things are, okay? Because Jesus took it all on his shoulders, and all we got to do is say, Jesus, help. Oh, I got you. It's like Mario and Luigi in your games, you know? Oh, I got you. Drew, jump over this one. Just a weird, but I just saw that, so... You jump over all your obstacles, climb up, you know, and every time you get a bonus. Come on. You guys know what I'm talking about. Once again, God, okay, it says, because they chose disobedience over faith, then it remains open for us to answer, enter. Once again, God has fixed a day, and that day is today. What does that mean? That's today. Every day, God gives you a new day. Today is that day for you to do something different, right? As David said much later, he wrote in the Psalms, today, if you listen to his voice and don't harden your hearts, today, there remains a place of rest, a true Sabbath for the people of God, because those who enter into salvation's rest lay down their labors the same way that God entered into Sabbath rest from his. Have you laid down your labors? Have you given Jesus all your labors? No, because you're still striving, because you're still trying to be perfect, because you're still trying to make everything happen in your world. And we all do, because we've been taught that. We've been brainwashed, if you will, to think it all depends on us. You have to be a good steward. You have to do this. It's like, wow, there's a lot of things I have to do. I'm not crazy about that. I think I'm going to go over here. I'm going to do drugs and alcohol so I can numb that, right? Didn't work for me. Doesn't work for you. It will never work. It's never going to work. 
The only thing that works is you come over here and you push that lie away. No more. No more lie. I don't have to work. I don't have to strive. I don't have to be something I'm not. I don't have to create an environment for other people. I don't have to do anything. I have to lay back and trust Jesus. I have to get to the place where I can truly be born again into his rest. And I can lay back and say, you know what? This whole mess right here, this, it's all you. You created it. You know how to fix it. I'm tired of trying. I never entered that rest till my 17-year-old son was killed in a car accident. And I still have days when I come out of it because you can go back and forth. I'm still an umbilical cord to the, to the flesh, you know? You can go back and forth. But for the most part, I stay in rest because I wake up in the morning and I can't wait to get to him on the couch. And all I want to do is hear him tell me, oh, child, good morning. What are we doing today? And he says it every morning, and he has for 30-something years. It's like, there she is. There she is. There's my son. Here he comes. Look at him. He's coming to sit with me. He's so excited to see you. But most of us just gloss by that, and we run right to the duty, to works. So if it's okay, I want to pray now. I want to pray for us all because we're kind of a messed up people, and it's okay because we're a beautiful mess, and he created this mess. And what he wants to do is fix it for us. Does that make sense? So, Lord Jesus, we just come to you this morning, Father God, with your children, Father God, the ones you died for, the ones who sit here before you today, Father God, the ones who will hear the sound of my voice. We are asking you, Jesus, today to show us, Father God, the born-again experience in truth, in spirit and in truth, Father God. We don't want to be those people that are constantly striving and trying to be something. We want to take our lives, Lord Jesus, and lay them on you. Put them on your shoulders. Lord Jesus, would you pick us up right now? Would you pick us up, Father God? Would you deliver us into your kingdom? Would you bring us into the place, Father God, where we can just love Jesus, where we can just see Jesus? Jesus, everything you did was perfection. You are beauty. You are beauty, and you are just pure, true love. And God, we have never experienced that, but we want to so desperately. So, Lord Jesus, today, right now, I'm asking you for these, my beautiful friends that sit before me in pools of blood, some of them still trying and hanging on and not knowing what to do and not knowing you. Right now, Lord Jesus, would you let them encounter you in a way that they've never encountered you before? Holy Spirit, would you come now? Would you come now? And would you awaken our hearts, our minds, our souls to you? Open our eyes, Lord. Open our spiritual eyes. Let us take that Ruah breath of heaven. Let us feel your presence, Father God. Jesus, take the responsibility of our lives. We lay down our filth and our flesh and our wretchedness as a living sacrifice to you, Father God. We admit that we fail, Lord. We fail every day. Every day we're in the flesh, we fail. We don't know how to do it right, Lord. We don't really know your word that well because mostly, if I'm honest, it doesn't make sense. I want to, but I need you to give me a hunger for it. I need you to give me a desire for it, Lord. I need you to give me love, Father God. 
because I don't really love people. I don't have a lot of love for a lot of people, but I want to. I want to love like there's no tomorrow. I want to help people. I want to be there for people who are hurting. But Lord, I don't get enough love for me today, so how can I give it out? Would you change that in me today? Would you give me an abundance of love, Lord, first and foremost, to love you, Father God? It's the first commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might, Lord. I want to love you. I truly want to love you. But I don't have any evidence of love in my life. Would you download me now with love? And I need true love, Jesus. I'm inviting you into this room, this black room, this hole I call a heart in my chest. I don't want to be lonely anymore. I don't want to hurt anymore. I want to feel your arms around me. I want to know that you love me because you tell me, not because the world tells me, not because I heard some preacher say it, but because you tell me. Jesus, where are you? Where are you right now? Holy Spirit, would you please come and take these broken pieces of my heart? Would you solder them back together with your word? Would you fill in the broken caverns of my heart and my mind with your truth? Would you awaken my spirit, man? I want to be born again. I want new life. I give you myself. I lay myself on the altar and I quit. I quit trying to fix me. I'm too big a project and I just don't have the patience or the tolerance. I quit. Jesus, would you fix me? some here right now and you came here today and you knew it would probably be your last day if you didn't find God God says he heard you he saw you and he brought you here for a reason you're not leaving the same way you came in child take a breath take a breath everybody breathe the Ruah breath of heaven God is here God is here and he wants to carry that burden, the burden you call your life. There's somebody here and you have struggled for so long with addiction. And once again, it took you over. And once again, you feel nothing but shame, guilt, and condemnation. You don't have to fall anymore, child. Right now, nail it to the cross. Nail it to the cross. Say, Jesus, I surrender addiction to you. I surrender it. I can't do it. I've tried too many times, and I keep failing, and I feel worse about myself every time I surrender it. I let go, and I give it to you. There's somebody here, and you're newly diagnosed, and you feel like this will overtake you. It's not going to. It's not going to, child. It's tied to something very intimate in your heart. When you let God into that place in your heart, he heals that. The physical healing will follow. The physical healing will follow. 
There's someone in here and your whole life has been one giant trauma, one trauma after another. Your adrenals are worn out from living in fight or flight. Right now, take a deep breath. You're not running anymore. You don't have to run anymore. Take a deep breath. Take a deep breath and put your head on his chest and let him hold you. He desires that you do not have to be strong. No more pretending to be strong. Stop. Give it to him. Spirit, would you shake us up and would you download us with fire and passion for you, Father God, wisdom and understanding and counsel and power and might. Would you give us a love for you like we've never known, but more than that, Father God, would you give us convictions of steel to read your word and to go after you with a hunger like a warrior, like a special forces agent, Father God, to bite into that word and to use that word, Father God, for the glory of God and to understand that every bit of that word is for us, that the lion and the king lives in us and the lion of the tribe of Judah will go before us and behind us. Lord, we don't know that unless we read it, unless we hear it, unless our mindset is changed. So would you change our minds today, Jesus? We ask you to change our minds. Give us the new heart. Ezekiel 11, new heart experience. We don't want somebody else's heart. We want our heart back made new, made new. We want to come to you like a little child, Father God, but not some random little child as ourselves as a little child. Trusting again that you're for us, Lord. Would you show yourself strong and mighty, Father God, in your bride, in your church? that we can forever honor and worship you, Father God, in spirit and truth and truly be born again. Would you please bring to pass the born-again kingdom of God experience in this church and in all who will hear you today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.